ಜ್ಞಾನಂಜನಶಲಾಕಾ ಚಕ್ಷುರುಮಹಾಸ್ಪೀಟ್ಸ್ಪ್ರೀಪರ್ಕೃಷ್ಣ Madhavatiti, or the day which is very dear to Lord Madhava, namely Akadashi, is the mother of devotion. And therefore I observe it very carefully. The places where Krishna resides, that is a, in other words, the temples of Krishna, that is the proper place to reside. And Bhaktinam Thakur says that I, I, the Dham, also Mayapur, Vrindavan, And Bhaktinam Thakur says that I uh, select such a place with great reverence. Gora Mara, my Gora. All the places that he uh, traveled to, I also will see in the association of loving devotees. Bhaktinam Thakur says, I always desire the opportunity to hear the sound of the Madanga. And when I hear the uh, bona fide kirtan that's authorized by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that's preferred by him, then my heart dances in ecstasy. When I see the deity, he says, next, particularly talking about Jugalamurti, Radha Krishna, then that is, I'm very, very extremely happy, joyful, blissful. And by serving prasad, that means prasad, we say prasad seva, which means... honoring prasad, then I can conquer over all material uh, contaminations. In, in my home, when I'm performing worship of the Lord, I see that it's transformed into Golok. And the Charan Amrit, which is uh, used for bathing the Lord, that is not different from Ganga. And honoring that, I, there's no limit to my happiness. When I see Tulsi, my heart is soothed because I know that she is very dear. She gives great satisfaction to Lord Madhava. And by honoring that prasad of shak, which means uh, spinach, as you say, as it's called, but it's, it's something like that. Uh, the thing is, there's over, there's over 20 varieties of that in Bengal, which is, here there's only one variety of things. So by honoring that prasad, and Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, I feel that my life is successful. Bhaktivinoda Thakur says that in these activities of worshiping Krishna, whatever I find that is favorable, I accept that in my life, uh, day after day, with great pleasure. So this is a very beautiful song, very inspiring. As we are not Bhaktivinoda, Bhaktivinoda means one who takes pleasure in bhakti, we are We're still aspiring to be the Bhaktivinoda Das. So sometimes we don't find full inspiration in our activities of worship as he is doing. So we can sing this bhajan. It's, it's better than taking these... Uh, for depressed people, they have these uh, amphetamines, stimulant, stimulant drugs. So this is a spiritual amphetamine. It's also addictive, but no bad effects. All good effects. All right, please return this to me. You can... Get your own picture. I'll take it somewhere else and sing it.
Next is questions and answers. I still have some pending questions that have been sent to me by email from devotees from Estonia and Finland, so I'll answer them first, and then if you can write down any questions, and uh, where's Shiva's pandas? Not here. So, oh, in the blind spot, looking this way and that way, and right, right in front of me, I didn't look to see. Okay. So your question was, is it all right under certain circumstances, is it acceptable that devotees of Krishna can chant Om Namo Shivaya? This is the question. Because they had been to some program with some self-appointed Shaivites and had chanted Om Namo Shivaya for five minutes and after that chanted Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama Hare Hare, for two hours. So the answer to this is that for preaching, there are no... Yeah, this piece is a paper. You have to provide your own pen. So um, for preaching, we can do anything. But uh, we have to be careful also. Now, intrinsically, it is very good. There's nothing wrong with a... A devotee chanting Om Namo Shivaya. If he's doing so uh, with consciousness of worshipping Lord Shiva as the greatest Vaishnava. However, there are certain possible problems with this. One is that uh, other persons may mistake us for being mixed up worshippers of all the gods. They may think that Chanting, we consider chanting Hare Krishna and chanting Lord Shiva's name to be uh, intrinsically on the same level, which of course is the second offense against the holy name. Maybe she's going to put on this today. Mm. Yeah, is she translated that? Okay. And the second problem is that we might start to mistake that chanting the name of Shiva and chanting the name of Krishna is all the same. We may do it under a certain circumstance and then others may expect us to do it uh, at other times also. So uh, or we may think, well, if we do it at a in a certain preaching program, then we, yes, we might start to think, well, we can do it anytime. Mm -hmm. So generally, as part of our bhajan, we have, now we've just been singing the song which Bhaktivinoda Thakur is describing various uh, important activities of bhajan, one of them is not chanting the names of Lord Shiva. One of the activities of bhajan, which Bhaktivinoda Thakur, all our acharyas of the Shastra, uh, they have given so many activities of bhajan, Krishna bhajan. Bhajan means, like, yeah, it doesn't mean just singing songs. Bhajan means one's, one's life dedicated in service, that is bhajan. Uh, so it's it's not recommended that we chant the names of Lord Shiva. It's also not recommended that we put our beanbag on the floor or to attempt to chant while we're supposed to be hearing at the same time. So, um, it, like I say, it can be done for preaching, but with uh, one should we should consider very carefully before doing so. Even you see, even preaching among such people, uh, it, may be, it may be better to preach among people who are already not committed in another way. 
I'm not saying don't preach among Shaivites, but if they already have the, this uh, this kind of commitment to that we are worshiping Lord Shiva, it might be very difficult to take them out of that. It might be might be better to preach among people who are not committed. Uh, if we do chant Om Namo Shivaya for any reason, uh, then then we should make a point of afterwards explaining why we're doing so. Our concept is not the same as their concept. Uh, their concept is that Shiva is the... Well, there are various concepts, but none of them are... They're, they're all impersonalistic, ultimately. So we should present the uh, correct Siddhanta, that yeah. Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and Lord Shiva is his topmost worshipper within this material world. Now, what I suggest is you put the new ones coming in underneath, so that the ones who put the question first, okay. they can get in, then there'll be a queue. Now, there's a, there's a pending question which Madha Maharaj sent me, which I believe originated in Finland, regarding the uh, tune to be sung in Mongolati, that came from Finland. Why? Why a particular tune? Well, um, first of all, I'd like to state, because it seems many devotees don't know that, that Srila Prabhupada is actually very insistent on the tune to be sung in Mongolati. The tune for singing Hare Krishna should follow the same tune that we sing the Guruvashtika. Like this. Like this. Samsara Dava Nalali Then Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Krishna Krishna Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare or as an alternative as a slight alternative Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So uh I first found about out about uh, this in about 19, uh, must be 1976. I must have been when I was leading Mongolarti in our temple in central London, mm-hmm. and the temple president, who had just spent some time in India with Srila Prabhupada, was offering Mongolarti. And that temple in London, it was very small, so the Pujari was offering and the devotee who was standing at the front they'd be like right next to each other so um, I started singing Hare Krishna and what I didn't know at the time was the wrong tune at the time and he was offering Adi and he turned around and started chastising him and said that <laughs> I was just an Indian Prabhupada stopped the devotees from singing all these different tunes you should sing the right tune and I later learned from Shruta Kirti Prabhu and maybe Hari Shori Prabhu also that they that they were the ones who were sent by Prabhupada to you know, tell them to sing the right tune. And Jayaveda Maharaj is also very strong on this point that Prabhupada taught us to sing in a certain tune and we should stick to them. It seems that this instruction didn't really uh, filter through the whole of the society because many devotees don't seem to know it. But there's, there is pretty good evidence that, that this is a fact. Now, the reason for this is that um, in... Classical Indian music, of which uh, the Gorya Kirtan style at least uh, so, at least partially follows, and, and certainly in the matter of rags they follow, there are certain ragas which are sung at certain times of day. Now this is quite a, a complex subject. Music is actually a very vast subject. 
got the words better than me. Musical theory. So, uh, and I can't say I, I, I understand even 1% of it. But anyway, a rag is a, it's, um, it's a family of tunes, which are, are similar related tunes. And certain ragas are sung at different times because they complement the natural mood of that time of day. It is a very subtle understanding. It's uh, persons who are expert in music, they can understand these things. Vedic music. But, uh, of course, when we're living in the city, it's just all the same mode throughout the day. It's like in the mode of ignorance. So it gets more, it gets thicker at night, that's all. But if we're not living in such an artificial environment where the, where we notice the rising of the sun and the setting of the sun, it's noticed because there's no electric lights or any such thing. Then we can notice there's, there's, a, there's a different mood between the pre-dawn hours, the midday hours, evening hours, the hours in the middle of the night. So originally these different times and the different moods that are there, they, they are to facilitate different moods in Krishna's pastimes. Uh, they, they, so we, we can appreciate that this tune is very suitable for for sweetly waking up Krishna. Um, now, other tunes have been introduced in this since. One that is very popular is Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, and Hare Krishna, there are several, there's, it's all part of the same rag, so theoretically it should be alright to sing that in Mongolati also, but I don't really Mongolati because Prabhupada is very specific about exactly what to sing. Anyway, that's a very big subject, and we, I just said a little bit about it, and I hope it made things more clear and not more confusing. If you want a simple explanation, it's Prabhupada said to do it, so we should do it. Uh, according to Jai Veda Maharaj, who was very insistent, he, had, he was there with Prabhupada in the early days, yes. Those two tunes, it's really one tune, but it's just that the the, uh, the first part is put second in the, and it's in the, vari- the variations of the same tune. Mm. It's in which language? These languages are all quite different. Latvian, Lithuanian. Is it? No. Well, what is the taste for the holy name? Is it uh, uh, the same uh, sense that uh, which with which we can taste vegetables and other eatable things? And what does it mean to develop taste for the holy name? That's already trend. Yeah. Um, well. The same word, taste, is used in English and Sanskrit, and it seems in Latvian also. For uh, the, the same word is used, but it has a different meaning. The taste one has for vegetables, or the taste one has for playing the piano or for chanting the holy names, which is a more subtle kind of taste. The same word is used. Because ultimately the taste we have for eating food that is an experience that it's 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 not exactly the taste that gives us pleasure, but it's the experience that is 
that goes on in the mind. That it's not exactly that it's not exactly the taste of the food which gives us pleasure can be uh, can be deduced from the fact that if we are told that we're going to be shot in ten minutes, but here's some nice food, you can eat that before you get shot. We won't find any pleasure in that. So uh, when we're talking about taste, ultimately we're talking about a pleasurable experience. So the the taste one has for chanting the holy names, uh, it is a pleasurable experience, but not not a grossly pleasurable experience, but a a subtle or the or the finest, the highest, the purest. What was the second part of the question? How do we develop? What, what happens to a person when he develops this taste for holy name? Hmm? What is that? This verse was taught by Mahaprabhu's Guru Ishwarapuri to him. And when a person gets a taste for the holy name, then he no longer, he doesn't care what others think, but he simply chants and dances uh, like a man. That's one answer. Okay, another question. What level of knowledge should we have for this, uh, um, not, not to be born again? Krishna says, by knowing more. By knowing in truth. Yeah. Knowing in truth, one is not born again. What, what is the required <laughs> level? Because we all know theoretically. Mm. It's not me to. Oh, oh you already read the notion. Okay. So, um, just prior to speaking this verse, Krishna has spoken about what is that tattvata? What is that tattva of Krishna's janma and karma that one should know? What should one know about Krishna's janma and karma, about his, how it being uh, divya? Krishna says, I'm unborn and my transcendental body never deteriorates. Nevertheless, I appear again and again in this material, within this material sphere by my own desire, by my own internal potency. Now, we should understand this. This is what's required. There may be also devotees outside to turn their Amplifies down a little bit. Um, now, uh, to understand this, it's not simply a matter of academic understanding. Certainly, understanding from Shastra is required, but the actual understanding of it comes from one's uh, mood of service. When one actually understands that Krishna is the Supreme and He is to be served by me, and one enters into that mood, uh, then he will be blessed with full understanding. In other, in other words, bhaktya mama vijanati, Krishna can be understood through the process of devotional service. Now, it's not a bad idea to leave the door open because you never know more people might want to come in. Yeah, then? Can't understand it? This is very beautiful when we can replace the the devotion service instead of mystic power. Can you say that again? Or, uh, 
or we can um, try to put all the efforts so that to treat our bodies very nicely. Could you understand that? Is uh, is it good uh, that uh, our devotion service can be uh, replaced? That a devotee tries to put all his efforts to have his body healthy, or he wants to get some mystic powers or mystic abilities? Mm-hmm. A, a little longer question. So do you want to say that in Russian? It was in Russian. Yeah, but it hasn't been read in Russian loudly. Is that a Russian word, or you're talking about that Reiki system? Uh, no, it is Reiki system, yes. Is it good that uh, devotees engage in a mystical Reiki process, uh, healings? What is uh, the danger? Anything is good if it's favorable towards the cultivation of devotional service. It's not actually required that devotees engage in healing processes, because there are plenty of doctors in the world, as it is already. And the most important thing is to develop our uh, hearing and chanting about and serving Krishna. If the body is sick, then we should get it treated, go to see a doctor. And there are so many different systems. There's regular medicine as they treat you in the hospital, and there's homeopathy and Ayurveda, which is Vedic, and Reiki and naturopathy and acupuncture, and acupressure, and chiro, chiro practice. Chiro practice, that means they sap all your bones. <laughs> and there's probably some more systems. I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of other systems. So, uh, the danger, one problem with Reiki, they say, I mean, it may work, some people say it works, so, you know, probably it works, otherwise it wouldn't have become popular. It works for some people, probably. Um, one problem with that is that Parampara that it comes through is holy shunyavadi. It's holy uh, voidist. So that's the danger. Plus, any non-devotees, if, if we if we go to, we have to be careful of their bad association because they're thinking that bodily health is the most important thing. Bhaktisthansa Sotako clarified that bad health with the opportunity to perform devotional service is preferable to good health without devotional service. Not that he didn't take health treatment when his transcendental body apparently became sick. So it's a matter of focus. If we're clearly focused on that our life is meant for serving Krishna, then actually this kind of question won't even be necessary. It'll be, it's obvious. How is it possible to combine uh, this mentality of Donada Pisanichana with active preaching? Yeah, very good question. Uh, this is one of the important themes in my upcoming book on Srila Bhaktisthansa Sartako, who was often questioned that how is he preaching so strongly and it to be like a Vaishnava to, to call people murhas and rascals and so many things. He explained that uh, I, humility means humility to who? Should we humbly cooperate with the uh, non-devotees' demoniac plans to avoid serving Krishna? Or should we humbly follow Krishna's instruction to preach the message of Bhagavad Gita, in which Krishna states, among other things, You can get the translation. Uh, Krishna says there are four kinds of rascals who don't surrender to me. Murhas or ass-like foolish persons. 
the lowest among mankind, those who are apparently learned but whose actual knowledge is stolen by illusion, and those who are just uh, out and out, straightforward, plain as day demons. So, uh, actual humility is a symptom of of truth or one's actual position in spiritual existence. Actual humility is is not a it's not a symptom of this uh, material illusion. The the humility of uh, of a materialist is simply self-serving. He has no actual humility, but he appears to be very nicely behaved so as to uh, affect his own sense gratification. Materialists behave nicely with each other because it's conducive to their mutual sense gratification. Well, who says preaching is not part of bhajan? It's only these uh, so-called bhajananandis who have made a distinction between preaching and bhajan. They think bhajan is one thing and preaching is something else. But bhajan means uh, activities for the pleasure of the Lord that also help us to develop ourselves in devotional service. So preaching is part of that. And uh, by the grace of the Lord, those who engage in the activity of preaching, they develop their realization, they develop their compassion. Those who are not preaching, they can't understand this. We can't say that uh, you know, no one in Iskand has got this. There are devotees who have been preaching for 20 years, 30 years, if they don't have any compassion or realization, why are they doing it? It's a completely bogus idea to say that no one in Iskand is having realization. It's coming out of this kind of sahajiya cult that, well, you have to just sit down in Radha Kund and do chanting and then you actually become advanced. But our, our, our acharyas have rejected that. They say, no, you come out and preach and those who are not advanced, they can sit at Radha Kund. <laughs> Just like that, that uh, incident, two Prabhupada sannyasis, they were uh, taking darshan at Radha Raman temple in Vrindavan. And they were doing so with such obvious devotion that the pujari there offered them a blessing. He said, you're showing so much devotion for Radha Raman that I'm blessing you, that uh, in your next life you can be born in India and then you can also worship the Lord like me. So those devotees went back to Krishna Balaram temple, which I believe was still under construction at the time, and told this incident to Prabhupada. Prabhupada said, you should go back and tell him that you are worshipping Radharaman so nicely, we offer you the blessing that in your next life you can be born in the Western countries and preach Krishna conscious all over the world. <laughs> it's a very neophyte understanding to think that those who are preaching Krishna consciousness are just on some, that they are on the neophyte. They may be using uh, motor cars and computers and money and those who are sitting and just doing mala, they may not have all these things and they may appear to be more renowned. But who is doing the actual service of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which he desired of preaching Krishna conscious all over the world? That we will see who is pleasing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Actually, I wanted to say a little bit more about the last thing. That uh, I may be mistaken, but I seem to see most of the same faces at this festival every year. So... <laughs> It would be a good idea to get the preaching in this area up into a higher gear. You're talking about decreasing the preaching. I, I think it needs a good increase. The person who gave this question is suggesting we decrease our preaching. But I'm saying, how about increasing? Let's, you know, start getting the uh, books, a lot of book distribution, a lot of programs, festivals. 
strain our brains how to make the whole of the Baltics as we're hearing a lot of these things. So we'll have to rename the, the Baltic Sea as the uh, Balaram Sea or something like this. Everyone drown in love of Krishna. So why don't you... We, we, we should make a program that uh, we should have do so much preaching that this place will become too small. But it's absolutely too small for the festival. Why don't you make a... Like a program, sit down and work out how we're going to bring... 2,000 people to the Baltic festival next year. Think big. That is the vital ingredient in our spiritual progress. You can sit down and chant Hare Krishna all day, but if you don't get Prabhupada's mercy, then you have to preach. I mean, you're thinking of decreasing the preaching. I mean, yasya prasada, bhagavat prasada, yasya prasada, nagatikito. What do you think? Bhagavad Prabhu with Prabhupada, well, we don't have to think. He was, he, he was proposed to Prabhupada's son. Prabhupada, now we'll decrease the preaching. <laughs> it's just a joke, you see. Prabhupada was always dreaming how to increase the preaching hundreds and thousands and millions of times. At the same time, he was, he was uh, insisted that we rise early, chant the holy names, follow all these basic activities of sadhana, so that we have strength and that our preaching has potency. Then, next. Have more festivals. We have so many festivals throughout the year. Next, uh, coming up is Balaram's appearance day, then Janmashtami, then Radhashtami. So make lots of festivals. I mean, don't celebrate it in the minimum way, celebrate in a big way. Plan in advance. Rent a big hall in the city. Call all the big leaders of the city. Cook a feast for 10,000 people. This way we'll always be enlightened. Every Sunday festival should not, it shouldn't, just, shouldn't be just everyone comes and they, they chat a bit and then they take some prasad. Festival means bring people, preach to them. You can't follow, then you can't follow. And there's no question of what to do. If you can't, if you say you can't do it, then why are you asking what to do? Then you have to make some adjustment. If you're working in a factory and you can't offer your... Well, usually you see what we, we bring some prasad with us. That's the obvious thing to do. Uh, can we manufacture some melodies Hare Krishna when in middle of day that is outside of puja, especially when we hear these melodies in our mind? Mataji Lakshmi Priya. We hear on uh, tapes uh, many manufactured tunes of Hare Krishna. Um, actually, there are ragas for different times of day. Prabhupada also taught the evening rather, which also follows the centuries. Jaya, Jaya, Hare Krishna, Krishna. But uh, the, the, it seems he only insisted on the morning melody being sung. And when asked about singing different tunes, Prabhupada was, yes, you can do it. Srila Prabhupada said, eating, honoring prasadam is alone the temple residence. Can you explain and elaborate? elaborate what he said about honoring Mahaprasad. The idea is that everyone should take together and not make uh, you know, their own individual arrangements for sense gratification. I, I, I know, I never, you see, generally they would always call Prasad Mahaprasad. It means there's really intrinsically that not, it's all Krishna's Prasad. There's no great difference between which comes on the plate and that which is not on the plate. According to Chaitanya Charitamrita, what, what the remnants of 
what Krishna eats is called Mahaprasad. Please explain uh, the words of Krishna in Bhagavad Gita. Uh, what is the difference between devotional service to Krishna? It is 12.9. Devotional service to, to Krishna and working for Krishna. And what is the difference between working for Krishna and um, offering the fruits of work to Krishna? You already said it in Russian? Yes. Okay. Um, there's a difference in attitude. One who is working solely for Krishna's pleasure is different to one who uh, works as he desires to do so, but he offers the fruit to Krishna. I want to do this, but I'll offer the result to Krishna. That is karma yoga, as long as what he's doing is not against Shastric injunction. But what Krishna wants me to do, I shall do. That is bhakti yoga. It's a difference in attitude. The, the bhakti yogi is uh, completely surrendered to Krishna's will. The karma yogi is not. Okay, my time's up for now. So if there are any more questions, you could kindly write them down. And uh, at the next session...